Welcome into 444.com. It's the most accurate podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter, joined as always by John Paulson. What's up, JP? Not a whole lot. How are you doing, Anthony? Uh, I'm not doing well at all, John. I'm not oh. doing well at all. And and sorry, I normally don't do this, but let's let's just dive into this, okay? All right. If you were to put together a worst-case scenario following last night's game between the Chargers and the Chiefs, what would that worst case scenario look like to you? If you're a fantasy, if you're a fantasy player, semifinal game, go. Probably the worst case would be you have Keenan Allen and Tyreek Hill both starting in the semifinal. You Close. got ha- you got half of my nightmare absolutely okay. correct. So I had Keenan Allen and Tyreek Hill starting for me. Oh. I went up. I went up against. Patrick oh. Mahomes and Damian Williams. Okay, I'm done. I'm out. Not, there's you're, no com- there's no coming back. You're in bad shape. Uh, I wouldn't say you're out yet. You never know. One of their players could get a zero. Um, Mahomes didn't was actually pretty quiet, relatively speaking. I mean, he had like 17 points, and he's was he averaging 48, right? So. True. I guess. I guess it could have been worse. I'm the down. Damian Williams. The Damian Williams is a problem because he got I don't know thirty in PPR, and we'll talk about more about him later. But yeah, I, I didn't even think about the opponent. But starting starting both Hill and Keenan Allen after the way they played this season, and getting what eight points out of them combined, that hurts. It was awful. And you know what? They got me to the playoffs. They got me to this next round. Yeah. So I can't I can't yeah. complain. But yeah, zero goose egg from Keenan Allen. Tyree Kill, six point one two. That's what I got. So mm-hmm. I'm down I'm down forty nine point three two to six point one one zero. If if Saquon Barkley and Russell Wilson don't combine for about six hundred points, I'm I'm probably done. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure everybody's got their own horror stories tonight, maybe or, or today, and, and maybe some success stories as well. We'll get into that a little bit later on in Thursday Night Football. Tell us about the music, and then we'll hit some injuries. Yeah, this is a, a band or a guy actually named Rostam, and uh, I'm not even going to try his last name. He doesn't appear like he wants anybody to try his last name because he just calls himself Rostam. Mm-hmm. Um, and with a name like Rostam, why not, right? True. How many Rostams are there? I don't know. Not many, at least not in my world. Uh, he's Iranian American. He was a member of the band Vampire Weekend. You might have heard of them, uh, but he left them in 2016 to kind of go out on his own. This is a track called "In a River." Uh, he also has uh, a track from last year that I like a lot. It's called "Bike Dream." If you want to check that out, and he did a cover of "Fairy Tale New York," uh, the popular uh, Christmas song as well. So check out those songs if you if you like it. I'll put it on the Most Acre Podcast playlist. Uh, if you can't find it at searching on Spotify, then uh, just click any uh, of the podcast posts 
on the 444.com website, and there should be a link in there to the uh, to the uh, playlists. Let's do some injury news, although I want to remind, and I'm listen, if you're, if you're a fantasy owner and you're a skilled fantasy owner, you know this already, but there's two Saturday games, so don't forget about that when setting your lineups. Texans, Jets, and then Broncos, Browns. It's a doubleheader on Saturday, so make sure you're set on your lineups, and there is some injury uh, news that we can get to that affects at least one of those games. I want to start off with Carson Wentz, though. ESPN's Adam Schefter reported that Wentz has a fractured vertebrae in his back. He was absent for, for he was absent in practice for two straight days. Doug Peterson, though, said that Wentz is questionable for Week 14 against the Rams. Says Peterson, he has a stress injury. This thing has involved evolved, involved over time, and it requires zero surgery to heal. With the Eagles' playoff hopes basically over with, and you got Nick Foles as your backup, I can't imagine that Carson Wentz would play on Sunday against the Rams. Yeah, color me suspicious or skeptical of his being active this week. Uh, he was ruled out, I thought, it was going to be a long shot to play. And then this uh, press conference today, I guess, Peterson left the window open for him to, left the door open for him to to play, and he's going to travel. And uh, I, I don't know, I can't see it happening. I think Foles is a, in terms of fantasy, is not on Wentz's level clearly, but uh, he has had his moments. Uh, Obviously, he was great in the playoffs last year. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey also really benefited from Foles' play in the playoffs last year. Uh, Then Foles wasn't particularly good early this season. Had a bad game against um, the Falcons. If you remember week one, 117 yards on 34 attempts. That's a pathetic 3.44 yards per attempt he also had a interception in that game and then he bounced back against tampa you know two great matchups really uh at at tampa 48 attempts 334 yards and a touchdown 6.96 yards per attempt in that game had a fumble and then uh, eventually gave way to carson wentz so what does this mean for the team he's typically favors zach ertz uh he had a stretch where he targeted Nelson Aguilar a lot, but I think it's going to be your typical uh, Ertz, Jeffrey, Tate triumvirate right now uh, at the Rams. And the Rams' defense is doing better against the pass. They're 16th now in just defense points allowed to quarterbacks since they've uh, played pretty well recently. Let's talk about the Jets running back situation because this is certainly going to impact some fantasy owners. I know that I have to start Elijah McGuire on Saturday against the Texans. Bad matchup. The good news is, though, that McGuire was questioned. Is quite um, he was he was left off the Jets' final Week 15 injury report. So at one point he was questionable, but now Elijah McGuire has been left off the Jets' final final injury report. Trenton Cannon is questionable uh, against the Texans, and both of these running backs we bring them up because Isaiah Crowell was placed on injured reserve, ending his 2018 season. With Crowell done, McGuire likely to be the lead back. Is is he a RB two heading into that Texans matchup? He's more of a like high end RB three. I think touches wise, you're going to be in pretty good shape. This doesn't scream like a game where the Texans are going to run out to a big lead. Maybe they do, but even if they do, McGuire has the skill set in the passing game um, to score some fancy points as a receiver. Uh, the Houston Texans defense has been stellar against the the run. They've given up 40 yards rushing per game, 2.65 yards per carry, 
to opposing running backs in the last four games. So I wouldn't expect a lot of fantasy points on the ground from McGuire, but he can, as I mentioned, score some points in the as a receiver. And then, you know, last week you got a preview of what sort of workload he can expect. He had 20 touches for 83 yards and a touchdown against Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo's weak spot is, is against running backs, so not shocking that he produced uh, in that game. I, the, the unfortunate thing was that Crowell was active and then immediately aggravated his injury and left the game, so we really didn't know to start McGuire uh, in that game ahead of time, which is unfortunate, but now we do. It's just a bad matchup, and then next week he's got uh, the Packers, who are down Mike Daniels, uh, their 23rd adjusted fantasy points allowed to running back, so he could be startable next week as well in a, in a high-volume uh, type role. Let's talk about James Conner now. Mike Tomlin left the door open earlier this week that James Conner could play on that ankle injury. The OC for the Steelers noted that Conner doesn't have to practice in order to play on Sunday. But I highly doubt that James Conner is going to be a fantasy option for owners. Do you trust this situation? I don't think he'll play. Uh, I suppose it's possible that he does. The the problem here uh, is kind of twofold. One, they play at home, so we don't really know if Conner travels, uh, which is a nice indicator on Saturday if, if it's a road game. The other problem is that it's a late game, uh, 425 Eastern kickoff. So uh, we, we won't know until the late route of games and that creates problems if he ends up being questionable or, you know, possibly trending towards playing I th- right now. I'm assuming it's going to be Jalen Samuels uh, with uh, Stephen Ridley in a uh, ha- hashtag old team theorem revenge spot f- uh, for Ridley potentially, uh, you know, maybe he gets a few extra carries, gets a, a goal line touch or two. Um, it, it is shaping up to be sort of a Jalen Samuels. I'm going to catch a lot of passes. They're not going to run the ball a whole lot against the Patriots uh, game. He had 18 touches last week. He only had 28 yards rushing on 11 carries against the Raiders, so it's not a great sign uh, for Samuels as a runner, but he did have the 7 for 64 in the passing game. Kind of a convoluted situation for San Francisco 49. Uh, not that their owners, but if you have Matt Breida or – Jeff Wilson, this is kind of a tough spot because Breida was limited in practice on Thursday, but he did practice in some some capacity, and he also returned to practice on Wednesday, also getting in a limited session. What's your advice for Jeff Wilson owners and Matt Breida heading into Sunday's game against the Seahawks? Yeah, I had Wilson, I think, at 12 prior to this news that uh, Breida came back. Um to the practice on Wednesday and then he put another one in on Thursday. So now it's trending towards him playing. So now the question is if he plays, what sort of workload does he have compared to Wilson? Cause Wilson's been getting a ton of uh, touches there and a pretty productive offense there with Kyle Shanahan calling the plays. So uh, Wilson's now like an RB two for me. And then Breda is more like an RB three, RB four. You just can't trust the ankle right now. You have to get a report, uh, you know, that he's looking looking great on Saturday, looking great today. Uh, and he's going to be, he's going to start uh, to really, to really move Braid up the rankings at all. LaShawn McCoy returned to a limited practice on Thursday. He's been dealing with a hamstring injury. McCoy himself said that he felt good out there with my teammates, getting loose, trying to get comfortable again. If you have Chris Ivory, this is kind of a, a bad spot to be in. Do you like either of these guys on Sunday when the bills take on who they play the Lions? Lions. Uh, the Lions have actually been really pretty good against uh, running backs, other than uh, Todd Gurley. <coughs> Excuse me, in 
uh, week 13, they've, you know, they limited Jordan Howard to 13 yards on seven carries. Uh, McCaffrey had 53 yards rushing on 13 carries. David Johnson, 49 yards on 15 carries. They've, uh, been good since they've signed that or they traded for that nose tackle. Uh, so a little bit stingy for the, for the lions makes this a tough spot for McCoy or Ivory, whoever plays. And if McCoy, you know, McCoy's got a hamstring injury, so it's a soft tissue, deal you worry about him re-aggravating that in the game if McCoy sits then Ivory I think is a decent volume play he has a shoulder injury himself but he was practicing fully this week all right Doug Baldwin returned to practice on Thursday if he does play against the 49ers where will you have him ranked uh just looking at his performance this year he's been playing at like a wider low end wide receiver three wide receiver four level when he plays and you worry about his hip injury and uh well you know he wasn't the way that Pete Carroll phrased it is it was going to take a miracle for him to play, but if he's back at practice, maybe he's he's trending that direction. Um, I think it's good for Russell Wilson when he's on the field uh, in terms of his production because he's been there was a split that showed that he was really been bad this year with Baldwin sidelined. Um, again, this is a late game at San Francisco, so uh, it's going to be a little bit dicey. I wouldn't be wanting to start Doug Baldwin against 49ers this week just because of his this injury and how he's been trending. Um, so I would try to avoid this situation altogether, but it is important to, to pay attention to it uh, due to Russell Wilson, uh, Tyler Lockett, et cetera. All right, good news, bad news situation for Odell Beckham owners. Beckham will not play. That's the bad news, but the good news is you know that he won't play. He's he's already ruled out against the Titans. Evan Ingram could wind up running more routes, but do you like any of these these uh, pass catchers for the Giants with the Titans on deck. I, yeah, it's, I think it's an upgrade for Shepard, who I had moved down earlier this week because it looked like Beckham might come back and play. I had, I just had him lower because I wanted to have him low for the Thursday game, so nobody was, uh, you know, wondering who to start where. Um, and somebody was asking why isn't Beckham in the lineup, and I go, well, he has, you know, he's been saying that something's wrong with his quad and just because he was at practice doesn't mean he's going to play. I wanted to see him practice again on Friday, but again, it's Friday now and they've ruled him out. So you have to move uh, Shepard up a little bit. Uh, he didn't do a whole lot last week. He did catch a touchdown. I think he was in the teens in his yardage. Evan Ingram was a lot more involved. I think he had 70 something yards uh, receiving, but the Titans are pretty good against uh, tight ends, but you know, you're going to feed those two, the ball in the passing game along with Saquon Barkley and, you know, they all need to be upgraded a little bit with Beckham out. T.Y. Hilton remains sidelined at practice on Friday. He's been dealing with that ankle injury. What's your gut say on this? I mean, he, Hilton was banged up a week ago, and he wound up tearing up Houston's defense. Do, do you feel good about Hilton playing on Sunday? And if not, who benefits? Well, usually we have um, a limited practice on Friday if they're just trying to get a player um, – as much rest as possible. It's an ankle injury, so they might be just giving him treatment, hoping they can get him ready for Sunday. This is a luckily we it's an early game. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we have two games on Saturday that may affect people's decisions with Hilton. Like they might want to might have to start like Cortland Sutton uh, on Saturday in, in place of Hilton on Sunday. Uh, so if they make the decision tomorrow as opposed to Sunday morning, uh, the good the good news is that it's an early game, so we you know we should know before the bulk of the game start. Uh, I would still expect him to play, but I, I'm going to be waiting for word today about the prognosis and whether or not um, it happens and if, or it looks like it's going to happen. And then it may end up being a Saturday night tweet from 
Adam Schefter, uh, Ian Rappaport, that uh, lets us know whether or not he's going to play. Let's talk about the Thursday night football game. So I was I was complaining earlier that I had Keenan Allen and Tyreek Hill going going up against Patrick Mahomes and uh, Darian Williams. It's just a, a horrible situation from a fa- Damian Williams, excuse me. Um, just a horrible situation for me fantasy wise. I also like the Chiefs. They were they were they were my pick last night, uh, buying the the hook to get it down to three and for three three plus quarters. I felt great about that play. I thought the Chiefs were uh, in control. But John, when I when I Look at the way that the Chiefs' defense collapsed. Eric Berry was not on the field in the second half. He gave them a nice boost motivationally and strategically in the first half. He goes out, and that defense couldn't make one stop, either on you know the fourth down play where Phillip Rivers made an unbelievable throw or a uh, the Tra- Travis Benjamin catch earlier in that same drive. They couldn't stop the two-point conversion. They got crossed up between Will Fuller and Orlando Skandrick on the play. I mean, I don't know if this is a hot take or just an obvious take at this point, but when I watch these two teams play, given how snake-bitten the Chargers have been, given both playoff failures that the Chargers and Chiefs have had over over the years, I guess we're looking at another Patriots AFC championship. That's kind of my, my biggest takeaway from last night. I know people want to talk about the Chargers, and obviously the Chiefs have been good, but do you trust either of these teams in the playoffs? Well, you know, for the for the Chiefs to lose at home to the Chargers without uh, Keenan Allen, without uh, uh, Melvin Gordon, That's a, and then to lose the way they did where they're up 14 with five minutes to play and, and just kind of piss it away. I'm sure there's a lot of Chiefs fans that are pa- panicking a, a little bit. I do like them at home, that defense, and they did look good for most of the game. Uh, but they got to figure out how, how to execute. In the, I mean, there was a fourth down play, really, that the pass to um, Williams, Travis Benjamin. Oh, no, it was uh, Benjamin. River, right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Rivers dropped back, and he threw it before the guy had even made his cut. He just threw it to a spot. He knew that Benjamin was going to be there, and it was pretty much undefensible because the defensive back wasn't looking or couldn't look back. Uh, he was too busy trying to cover Benjamin. It was just a perfectly placed pass. If that gets knocked away, we're talking about a Chiefs win and how great, they, great they're looking. So, uh, obviously, the broken coverage on the two-point conversion was – uh, pretty bad as well, and uh, you know, I I uh, I mean, I like the Chiefs. I think that they're, they're a good team. They do have some problems defensively, and they need to be able to to execute, uh, get a first down there, and that for last drive, etc. We'll see how it uh, pans out. I, I think if they if they're playing at home against the Patriots, they're going to be tough to beat. If they're having to play in New England, uh, then obviously the 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 advantage shifts back to New England. So we'll see how both teams finish out this year. I want to ask you about the running back dynamic, but uh, one, one final thing from a non-fantasy perspective. For me, it was frustrating to watch. My my Chiefs play last night uh, was basically predicated a lot on Philip Rivers' struggles against Bob Sutton's defense and the fact that the Chiefs defensively can win that battle in the trenches against a Chargers offensive line that's got some holes in pass protection. And again, for three three-plus quarters, that's exactly how it played out. And the Chiefs, you know, go three and out on their final offensive possession, and the Chargers come right back to make plays, and they wind up winning the game with the two-point conversion. I'm left thinking, all right, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, they're they're basically going to have to score on every possession or continue to uh, move the ball at will and 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 basically play ball control with a passing game, if that makes sense. So the the, the Chiefs' margin for error with this defense seems to be, you know 
razor thin. Now, with Eric Berry playing on a snap count, maybe if he plays the full game, they win that thing. It just it was a, it was a bad look in Kansas City, and you mentioned the Chiefs fans feeling a little bit uneasy here in St. Louis. There's there is a fair amount of Chiefs fans that have migrated over from Kansas City, and they they are nervous. I mean, this is something that they've they've grown accustomed to just bl- blowing it at this time of year. I hope it's not true. I really like watching Patrick Mahomes play and it would be nice to see some new blood besides the Patriots, but you know, coming from that game last night, one Philip Rivers was incredible in the fourth quarter, but neither of these teams have a good history when it comes to the playoffs. All right, I know there were a couple of dicey running back situations last night with Justin Jackson starting from Elvin Gordon uh, and Austin Eckler, who's also out. Damian Williams drew the start with Spencer Ware out. I thought he looked really good. Can you discuss kind of your methodology of these situations where you have to rank players who don't have a long track record to go on, and you don't know how each team is going to utilize them in their game plans? Yeah, that's the big question, Mark, is... uh, especially for Damian Williams, was they have Daryl Williams there. Uh, they re-signed Chuck Kendrick West, who had been the backup there and was very familiar with Andy Reid and his offense and everything. Um, there was a radio report that said, you know, it said report, Spencer Ware is out. I mean, that wasn't surprising because he was doubtful, I think, for the game. Um, and then it said uh, Chuck Kendrick West expected to get 8-12 to 12 touches and I didn't you know you're reading the tweet and it's from a radio guy I, I hadn't heard of before I think he's a local sports guy and you know maybe he's got a blue check mark so he's you know, <laughs> obviously got it in with Twitter but um, you know maybe he has a source and you're wondering how to read that tweet maybe the source is oh no where's out and then now he's saying his own fantasy advice expect Charkandrick West to get 8 to 12 touches wow. my thinking was why why would they cut Charkandrick West, leave him on the street for um, this many months and choose Damian Williams and Daryl Williams over him uh, and then only to, once they lose both Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware for various reasons, now take him, take West, and put him on the top of the depth chart. And I know the guy saying that he's going to get 8 to 12 touches doesn't mean that he's the RB1, but they were, he was definitely saying that this guy's going to have a, a sizable role and it's going to be a, more of a committee. And what we ended up seeing was Williams with whatever, 16 to 18 touches, whatever it was. Uh, Daryl Williams actually scored the first touchdown. Um, so that was maybe looking a little bit dicey, but to me, Damian, you could see that he was playing that whole first drive uh, and getting they were scheming ways to get him the ball. It looked like he was the RB1, the lead back, and so I felt pretty good uh, as I left to go to my, my son's soccer practice, and then I came back to see that he had two touchdowns. And that's just the KC side. And then there's Justin Jackson, who I thought was process-wise the better play over Damian Williams because he didn't have these um, workload questions. Uh, Dentrez Newsom, you know, there wasn't any talk about him seeing a huge role uh, Jackson had looked good in uh, two weeks prior. Uh, had a big role uh, alongside Austin Eckler with uh, Gordon out, so it, it was pretty obvious that Jackson was going to see most of those touches. And that defense, the Chiefs' defense, uh, was weaker than the Chargers' defense, so you felt like the opportunity was there. And for a while, it looked a little bit sketchy because he had fifty-something yards rushing, three point six or seven yards per carry. Uh, but then he got the touchdown, uh, got a couple extra receptions at the end, and it finished with 80-something yards and a touchdown, which is a pretty good play um, uh, for, for you know, picking somebody off the waiver wire and having to play him. So that's sort of my – I mean, I wish obviously I had people happy with me that I was 
fairly high on Damian Williams. I had people that were upset with me because I did, wasn't higher on him. Um, you know, ranking him over somebody like Aaron Jones, who I think is a lot better and has a safer workload. And, uh, you know, the, the Bears have given up points to LeGarrette Blunt and uh, in recent weeks. So, right. uh, it's, it's the, the emotions were all over the map on Thursday night, uh, with, with these two running backs and, and how the, the points sort of played out. But that's, that's how my methodology works in terms of, I look at all the factors and try to rank them as best I can based on what I, I feel all the act, all the factors add up to. Well, and I think you should, you know, I think that's good that you explain your, your thought process on that. I know sometimes from a betting standpoint, people are like, well, why the hell did you make that pick? Uh, well, here's why. You know, I see the game going one of two ways, but at the end of the day, it's it's just an educated, you know, um, prediction. I, I had somebody ask me yesterday about Damian Williams or, or Aaron Jones, and I said Aaron Jones because I, I, I know how the Packers are going to use Aaron Jones. I don't know how the Chiefs are going to use Damian Williams. And the, and the person came back and said, well, what am I missing about Williams? And I, I said, nothing. I just don't know, you know, again, I don't know the, the game script. And hopefully he went with Damian Williams and, you know, he wound up getting 27 to 30 points last night. But uh, not knowing how these players are going to be optimized, that's that's kind of the tricky part at this time of year. And, of course, emotions are high because you're dealing with owners that are in fantasy playoffs and one, one or two plays, one or two picks, one or two decisions could make or break them winning uh, their league and potentially winning money as well. All right, I want to ask you about the Chargers wide receiver situation because of Keenan Allen. He did not return yesterday and that he got that hip injury, tried to come back, then immediately after one play came right out and then he never returned. Mike Williams went off. Seven of nine targets, 76 yards, two touchdowns. You also have uh, Travis Benjamin that made, I think I was calling Kelvin earlier, Travis Benjamin, two of three targets, 57 yards, and he made some unreal catches on that that final drive. What do you what do you think about the Chargers wide receiver situation heading into next week when they've got a good matchup a bad matchup against Baltimore? Yeah, the matchup is bad. If if Allen is out, which he probably is, the way he was ruled out so quickly and limping around, uh, we'll, it's, he'll be in a race to try to get healthy. Uh, Tyrell Williams had 12 targets. Uh, I th- thought he actually had the better cornerback matchup in this particular game. Uh, although I did have Mike Williams ranked a few spots higher as a low-end wide receiver three, Mike obviously is not going to have this type of game if Allen is healthy the entire time because it's unlikely he's going to see nine targets. I mean, he's been seeing three, four targets in his good games uh, this season. So I did think that there was a little bit of a uh, some upside with both, both Williams brothers because uh, – with with Gordon out and Gordon, you know, soaking up six or seven targets per game, they're going to need other find other ways to move the ball, and they ended up uh, distributing these targets along with Allen's targets to both Mike Williams and Terrell Williams, and then even Travis Benjamin get out of the act, and Antonio Gates got five targets. So uh, heading into next week, if this is the same lineup and we don't have Allen out there, they're going to be probably wide receiver threes because the matchup is so bad against the Ravens. Final thing on Thursday Night Football, what's your advice for Tyreek Tyreek Hill owners, assuming they they make it next week to either their championship game or their semifinal game? He caught four of seven targets, 46 yards. He also had three rushes for minus five yards. At one point, I thought, okay, they're just using him as a decoy, but he had an opportunity to catch a long touchdown pass. It would have been negated because of offset and penalties, but he had the, had the ball hit his helmet. 
Patrick Mahomes and him weren't on the same page earlier in the game, in the back of the end zone on a play. Were you were you okay with Tyree Kill last night, uh, given the injury situation? Any concerns that you're seeing? Well, the, the usages that I, that I saw early in the game was really positive. I mean, they gave him that little toss from three yards out. It, it got snuffed out by the Chargers, but they're you know trying to get him the ball in the red zone. He had uh, two end zone targets, but uh, Mahomes missed him or he was – you know, on the wrong route or whatever, uh, but they're trying to get him the ball there. And then he usually is scoring um, from midfield where there's space for him to just blow by his defender. And, you know, you know, they have the, 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 the drop um, uh, with the penalties, but you know, th- there were chances for him to score multiple touchdowns. It just didn't happen yesterday. I think you have to uh, stay the course with Hill. I don't think you're going to be benching him next week if, uh, if he's fully healthy and, and ready to go. All right, let's get to some sneaky starts while we wrap this up. What what are two quarterbacks that you like? Well, two popular ones this this week, or one popular one and one sort of unpopular one, is uh, <laughs> uh, the popular one is Josh Allen due to all the rushing yards uh, that he's been compiling over the last three weeks. And I think he is a interesting start against the Lions, but not necessarily because of his ability as a runner, although he does have ability to put points up in that, in that area of the game, the Lions are actually really good at at holding running quarterbacks down. They've allowed a league low of 64 total rushing yards this season to quarterbacks, which is pretty incredible. Uh, this is these aren't just like Tom Brady types. Mitch Trubisky had 18 yards rushing against him. Russell Wilson had 15, although he's not running the ball a ton. Aaron Rodgers only had 10. He was injured with a new, uh, knee injury. Uh, Cam Newton only had two yards rushing. Dak Prescott had two yards rushing. So whatever the Lions are doing, they're keeping uh, these running quarterbacks as passers. And so that's going to force Josh Allen maybe as to, to score more points as a, as a fantasy passer this week as opposed to a runner. He's been scoring most of his points as a rusher, 10.6 as a runner, 7.5 as a passer in his seven full games. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about this. But then on the flip side, the Lions – you know, in fancy points allowed, I think they're third in uh, points allowed per pass attempt. So if he can avoid Darius Slay, he should be able to um, score some fancy points as a passer. And he does have that upside as a runner if, if the, the Lions lose track of him, uh, at, you know, in, in the running game or as he's scrambling uh, on a drop back. The other guy I like, if you look a little bit deeper at the numbers, is Nick Mullins. He doesn't, like exude a lot of confidence as a fantasy start, but the last two weeks have been pretty good. 414 yards, two touchdowns against Seattle, uh, 332 yards and two touchdowns against Denver. He flopped in a great matchup against the Buccaneers, 221 yards and a touchdown and two interceptions. I think that's what have a lot of people off of him. Um, and he came in initially pretty low on my rankings. Um, but then you look a little bit deeper at the numbers and you start to look at what the guy's doing recently, you know, pair of touchdowns in each of the last two games, 8.5 yards per attempt on the season. And then Seattle coming to town, um, not a bad matchup, 17th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback. So I don't have him ranked in my top 20, but I think Mullins is a decent start this week as well. All right, you're running back that you like this week. That I, I, I can just, you know, I can envision 
owners of other guys on this team, other running backs on this team, kind of questioning this. So uh, tell tell us which running back you think is a sneaky start, and I think you know where I'm going with this. If if there's some if there's a teammate uh, of this guy that that you have as a you know uh, a running back this week, you know, it should should that that own those owners be nervous at all? I, that's I fucked up that question, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know where I'm getting you're, where I'm going at. I'm going to have to uh, check the, uh, or you're going to have to check the explicit content in this uh, podcast part <laughs> this week because he dropped the F bomb. That's okay. Uh, I picked him for this podcast because we've already talked about Jeff Wilson, Justin Jackson, Damian Wilson, uh, Damian Williams, Daryl Williams, Elijah McGuire, Jalen Samuels. So we got down the list here, and it's Kenneth Dixon is the player we're talking about. And I think you're talking about Gus Edwards. Yes. The, thank you. Know, you. The question mark here. Uh, the reason I have him listed, it's a great matchup against the Bucks. They're 29th in just fantasy points allowed to running back, so that's you know a great matchup. Gus Edwards has been fine uh, the last two weeks, though. He's been averaging 4.03 yards per carry. Uh, Dixon has gained 96 yards on 16 carries, so 6.0 yards per carry in the same span. So I think John Harbaugh, when he's saying that Dixon's role is going to grow forward, which is a quote, um, is looking at what Dixon's doing and what Edwards is doing in the same games against the same defenses and is seeing that Dixon is outperforming Edwards right now. And Dixon was a guy that was kind of high on the Ravens list uh, pecking order when he was healthy and he's just getting back into it. He's a much better receiver than Edwards. So if the Bucks jump out to a lead, uh, Dixon can score points there as well. And, you know, sometimes people that are familiar with sneaky starts just understand that I'm looking at uh, these games where there's good matchups. This is an example of a, could be a high scoring game uh, with the Bucks being bad against running backs, you're looking at that second running back who is maybe his role is growing or maybe he gets a consistent 8 to 12 touches. Um, I think Dixon fits the bill, uh, as we saw last week. He's, he's, he's trending upward a little bit with his touches. All right, I'm going to not be creative with my tease here. Which which wide receivers do you like, John? <laughs> I like it when you're creative with your tease. <laughs> I actually added – I wanted to talk about Robbie Anderson because I added him today to the Sneaky Starts column because we learned yesterday that Quincy Nunwa was going to miss the game and when Quincy Nunwa was out that opens up more targets for Anderson he's coming off of back-to-back uh, games where he had at least four catches or actually he had four catches in both games and then he had seven targets in each game he had four for 76 and a touchdown last week against a pretty stingy Buffalo secondary and that was with Sam Darnold back under center. Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson really haven't been on the same page a ton this year. Uh, you know, he's, Anderson is known for his rapport with Josh McCown. Uh, so it's good to see that Darnold and, and Anderson connected on the touchdown and, and getting the seven targets I think is big for Anderson. Uh, the matchup against the Texans defense, if you're going to attack them, it seems to be in the perimeter against their perimeter uh, cornerback. So it's a pretty good matchup. 19th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. And then the final thing on Anderson is that he uh, was a guy I liked this offseason. Uh, he was 15th in standard fantasy points last year. He's number 15 receiver. So he has the talent to produce at that wide receiver two level. Uh, he's a big play guy, so if you need some upside this week, uh, he maybe he catches one or two long ones. All right, finally, tight ends. you got a pair of them. One makes a lot of sense given a certain injury, but who do you like tight end-wise? Oh, the other receiver I want to talk oh, my about is Robert Foster. He's yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot to talk about him. Um, he's got three games in his last four, three for 105 on four targets against the Jets, two for 94 on a touchdown on three targets against the Jaguars. He had one for 27 
against the Miami uh, Dolphins in Week 13, and then last week against the Jets, eight targets, uh, seven for 104, uh, and that was after they cut Kelvin Benjamin and Andre Holmes. So his targets, I'm sorry, his snaps and targets jumped significantly. He had the eight targets, then he also had the 96% snap rate. And then you're throwing in a really nice matchup here against the uh, Lions. So the question is, does he see Darius Slay or does Slay go on Jones or does Slay just stay to his side this week? Uh, because none of these guys are jumping out as receivers that need to be shadowed. Uh, so there's definitely some opportunity here for Foster. He's you know a big play guy, um, maybe a good tournament play in DFS, but uh, he's he's been producing over the last uh, month or so. All right, and then... Go ahead with your tight ends. Tight ends. Yeah. I like uh, Chris Herndon uh, for the Jets as well with, with Adunua out. He's been a little bit quiet the last two weeks, but uh, he's the Titans and the Bills this last two weeks, and they're first and second in uh, adjusted fantasy points, a lot of tight ends, so terrible matchups. Uh, against the Texans, it's going to open up for him. He's twenty. Uh, they're 26th in adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to tight ends. Uh They've given up four for 65 and a touchdown to Eric Ebron, six to six for 115 and a touchdown to Tennessee tight ends, and then seven for 71 and a touchdown to Jordan Reed in recent weeks. Um, when Herndon has decent matchups, he's produced uh, his non-red matchups lately, seven for 57, four for 62, one for 16 and a touchdown, four for 42 and a touchdown, and then two for 56. Uh, and a touchdown on 4.6 targets per game. I would expect him to see closer to 5 or 6 with Anunwa out. The other tight end I like somewhat is Vernon Davis. Uh, Jordan Reed is looking like he's going to be out with a foot injury, or actually it's a toe injury. Um, Davis saw four targets last week, from, and they were all from Josh Johnson, which is a good sign. Uh, Davis can still play. His limitation is snaps and targets. Uh, obviously the quarterback situation is not great. So you're kind of desperate. And, uh, if you're going to be playing Davis, also the Jacksonville defense is decent against tight ends. Ninth and just a fancy points allowed to, to tight ends. But you know, Josh Dotson is iffy. uh, there's just not a lot of weapons right now in the passing game and Davis can still run and, uh, with the best of them. That's John Paulson. You can follow him on Twitter at four for four underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. We will be back on Monday to wrap things up with the with another look at uh, the uh, with a look at the Monday night football game as well between the Saints and the Panthers. Good luck this weekend. If you uh, also had Tyreek Hill and Keenan Allen in your fantasy t- fantasy league, I'm sorry. I'm hoping for a, a miracle uh, just like you are. But again, good luck if you are in your fantasy playoffs this weekend. And we will see you on Monday's edition of Four for Four dot com, so the most accurate podcast. And I have holy on you, boy. In the light of stars, we are lying on the beach night. Everything is warm. We are staying up. Headlights, a passing car.